Is this, uh, are you finding this series helpful? Is it like, because for me it's, it scratches an itch. Um, but sometimes I sit in my office or wherever I happen to be writing it thinking, gee whiz, has this got anything to say to anybody else? So um, I really hope it's, I, th- I think it's right where we're at every day. I really do. I, I, this is about everyday life. And we have this vision about being bursting with life. And one of our thrusts is everyday life. And this is one of the things we're doing every day. We're wrestling with how we live and what choices we make. So I, I really hope that's coming across. And I really would encourage you not to get hooked on the fact that when I talk about open doors, we're not just talking about the big decisions in life. Because when I'm thinking about this, that's where my mind tends to go. But what I hope you will realize today is that this is decisions that you make. A lot of the time you have no idea what the consequences are going to be. You just take a choice. And, and God is the other side of the door. And so these cho- and some of them are big choices. Some of them are career choices. Some of them are about moving house choices. Some of them are about, you know, do I need to go and be live with my, near my parents and all that kind of thing. Yes, they are. And they are part of open door choices. But they're not the whole of it by any stretch. This is much more about the everyday things. And I really hope that's coming across. Because sometimes I get to the end of it and think, oh, yeah, I know what they're going to be thinking. And maybe I've missed the point. So I, I really hope that's not happening. I think it would be good if I prayed, actually. Because um, this is really good stuff. And I'm not saying that because I, I pinched it all. I've, I've got help. But I think it's really helpful. Father, we pray today that that you would pour out your blessing upon us. We recognize that's your prerogative, that's your choice, that's your thing. But Father, as we sit here this morning, we ask that you would speak to us and pour out your blessing upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Perhaps one day, God said, what if? What if I create a world so I can share all I enjoy? And what if I create people, men and women, with whom I can enjoy sharing my love? And what if I give them a wonderful world in which to live and to grow? And what if I fill that world with plants and animals of all kinds for them to share it with? And God did. And here we are. What if, one day, Satan said, what if? So what if you eat of the tree that is in the middle of the garden? And Adam and Eve took the fruit and said, what if? And here we are. God's what if came out of his love and love gives and God so longs to give. Adam and Eve's what if came out of their desire for more. They wanted to be more like God. The truth is, friends, we really were made for more because God so longs to give the tragedy is that when like Adam and Eve 
we want more, it's usually more for me. Turns out to be an insatiable desire and hunger that will never be fully satisfied. We always want more. Which teaches us something really important about open doors in the Bible. Now remember, in the Bible, open doors are divine invitations to make our lives count with God's help for the sake of others. Remember right back to the first one, it might be good for me, but that's never the point. It might be something I long to do and enjoy, good. But it's also for the sake of others. It's never just about me. In the Bible, open doors are divine invitations to make our lives count with God's help for the sake of others. The truth about open doors is that they most often appear when we aren't focused on me, but when we look instead for opportunities to love. And here we might learn something from a lady you will know well, whose name is Ruth. Ruth chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the name of their two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Epaphrites from Bethlehem. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. And they had lived there for about ten years. Sorry, after they'd lived there for about ten years, both Marlon and Kilian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So this is a difficult situation. Naomi and her family leave home because of a famine. They go to Moab because that's where there's food. The two sons marry two girls from Moab, but then all the husbands die, leaving the women alone. Naomi is now in exile, a widow, without sons or grandchildren. And the question becomes, who will take care of her when she is old? Verse 6. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. So Naomi decides that her best chance of survival is now to go back to Judah. What unfolds is quite extraordinary. What if? Naomi starts for home and Ruth and Orpah are going with her, but Naomi decides to send the girls back to Moab. Verse 8. Then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. 
May the Lord grant each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Naomi realizes that she has nothing to give Ruth or Orpah, and they would be better off in Moab. Now the truth is that Israel and Moab hated each other. The Moabites were in fact enemies of Israel. So what hope would these girls have if they went to Judah looking for a husband? And to survive, they needed a husband. Marriage is not about romance. Marriage is about survival. The girls refuse to obey and they decide they want to stay with Naomi. So Naomi tries again, verse 11. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. In the ancient world, it was a custom that if your husband died, his family would maybe replace him. But Naomi here points out that she has no more sons. And even if she did have sons now, it would be a long wait before they could marry the daughters. And then we see the extraordinary possibility of an open door. Verse 13. Sorry, verse 14. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. There is a choice of doors. Remember, there is always a choice. There is one marked stay and the other marked leave. Orpah chooses stay. Ruth chooses differently. Verse 15. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. This is one of the greatest statements of devotion you will find anywhere in the Bible. And it comes from a young Moabite widow, a widow who has absolutely nothing. Now, what I find interesting here is that the Bible does not criticize Orpah for choosing to stay. It was, in fact, the prudent, sensible thing to do. Orpah makes a reasonable choice, and she will live a reasonable life. She does the sensible thing. Ruth makes an unreasonable choice. And will live an unreasonable life as a result. 
And John Ortberg in his book points out something which I think is wonderfully, profoundly significant. And that sometimes we might miss about this. Do you notice that nowhere in this text does God ask Ruth to make the choice to leave? Ruth alone makes her choice. But when she chose leave, she chose to partner with God in his kingdom work. Ruth made her choice out of love for Naomi. And here's something about open doors. Love finds doors that ambition never could. Love finds doors that ambition never could. You can make a reasonable choice. You can be prudent and secure. Or you can do what Ruth did and bet everything on love. What if? Ruth chapter 1 verse 18. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Ruth has no idea that she made a choice for an open door into a far bigger and a far better story than she could ever have imagined. She chose the opportunity to love and she walked into God's magnificent story. Friends, what if we were to do the same? Ruth chapter 2 verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose favor eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead my daughter. She went out and entered the field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz who was from the clan of Elimelech. In chapter 1, Ruth was just Ruth. Now, she's Ruth the Moabite. Now, Ruth in Israel, in Judah, she's a foreigner. She goes into the fields of a man named Boaz to find her and Naomi some food. Turns out, Boaz is a distant relative of Naomi. And when Boaz turns up in his field, he notices Ruth the Moabite and asks about her. And when he learns the story of how she came to be in his field, Boaz shows great kindness. Boaz even tells her that she can ask the men in the field to give her a drink. This is a complete reversal of how it was in the ancient world. Normally it was the women who would draw water for the men. And drawing water from a well was often really hard work. Ruth showed kindness to Naomi, and through her kindness, Boaz is now going to be kind to Ruth. Both, interestingly, showed kindness to a foreigner. Here's another truth about open doors. Doors open 
when I actually notice and care about people, I might otherwise overlook. Doors open when I actually notice and care about people, I otherwise might overlook. Now, I'm not sure this is exactly the same thing, but I was profoundly struck by a thought as I was standing at Asda yesterday afternoon. Because I'm standing at Asda and everyone's going in doing their shopping, and you can tell quite easily from people's postures they walk in whether they want you to talk to them or not. Because they know you want something. So some of them, although we get them anyway, walk in this door and walk to that door because they think they're going to miss you. What they haven't realised is there's someone at that door as well. Some of them, and we all do it, just walk away looking deliberately away from the person who's collecting. I've done it. I don't want you to talk to me. I'll make it plain to you that I do not want you to interrupt my day. What's going on for me, though, is I'm looking at people and I'm judging them, thinking, no, they won't give, no point talking to them. And it suddenly struck me what I was actually doing. I was overlooking people simply by the way they walked into Asda. And actually what I discovered is the blokes with the tattoos are often the blokes who go, oh yeah, all right mate, I'll do that, it's great. And then they come out with a whole bag of stuff. And you think, well there was a lesson for me. Doors open when I actually notice and care about people I might otherwise overlook. Somewhere around 1990, and nobody knows exactly when, a man called Albie noticed that over weekends in Crawley, there were vulnerable people on the streets. So he decided he would take sandwiches and flasks of tea into Queen's Square, because there was nothing for them to go and eat. And people came to eat. Albie soon realised that he needed some help, and after asking for some help, something called the Easter team was born. The Easter team then started going into Goffs Park, because so many people were coming, and in Goffs Park, people would come more easily to get the food. And Albie said, actually, these people need more help than this. They need food parcels. And so the work of the Easter team grew, first by giving food, then to helping anyone in a crisis, gas and electric keys, nappies for a baby, suits for an interview, rail ticket to visit a husband in a prison. And then through the work of the Easter team, the idea of an open house began to take place. And so with the help of the Easter team and others, for three months in the year, a hostel opened in Perryfield Road in three months of the year when it was at its most cold. And then in time, and with much work from very dedicated people, a direct access 24-7 hostel, you know well, called Open House, was opened in 1996. Because one man noticed. Open doors are everywhere. And it may be as simple as noticing someone and choosing the way of love. What if? Ruth chapter 3 is a wonderful chapter, but it does cause some people some problems. A quick sketch of chapter 3, you might want to go and read it later, might go something like this. Naomi sees the kindness shown by Boaz to Ruth, and she thinks there might be something more in it for Ruth. So she tells Ruth how to date Boaz. Actually, she sets Ruth up effectively to propose to Boaz. And that's the bit that some people have a problem with because that's not how it was supposed to happen and there might be implications of something untoward. I don't happen to believe that, but some people struggle with that. So when Boaz is invited by Ruth to cover her feet, Boaz is genuinely moved. It's a proposal. Naomi 
wants to know everything that happened. And Ruth tells her mother-in-law everything that happened. Now there's an interesting thought, telling your mother-in-law everything that happened. But it's a sign of two hearts open to each other. Two hearts open enough to share everything. Now there's a thought. Boaz and Ruth get married and Ruth in time becomes the great grandmother of a guy called David. And who was David's great, great grandmother? Oh, that would be Boaz's mother, Rahab. Rahab the prostitute and enemy of Israel. Funny where open doors can lead, isn't it? What if? But here's an important truth about open doors that we can learn from Ruth and Boaz. Open doors are sometimes relational. And relational open doors have to do with our heart. So how is your heart this morning? Having the door of someone's heart open to you is one of the greatest gifts of life. And this is not just about marriage. Far from it. When I was growing up in St. John's Church in Wimborne, after my dad died, there was a lady called Yoland Darling. And as a young lad, I actually thought she was very old and a bit weird. Uh, she had silver hair, big glasses, with a, like a chain thing hanging down, which I never quite got the hang of, but then I realised it was so her glasses didn't fall off, but it did look odd. And she always used to wear a big, long, black, furry coat. Weird. She was married to Major Max Darling, a very tall and, in my opinion, very stern man who had a brother who was equally tall and equally stern. He was so old, absolutely true, that once when he was leading the prayers in church, he prayed that God would help King George. (laughs) I, I do not joke. What I discovered, actually is that Major Max Darling and his brother Pat, when they were boys in church, used to sit on the balcony and drop eggs on the people below. (laughs) But not when I was in church with him. But Yolan Darling had her heart open towards me and my brother and my sister. And she would regularly come up to me at the end of a service and say, with tears pouring down her face and her voice trembling, Ian, I am praying every day for you. I have no idea what she prayed because she never told me, but I have become convinced that because she prayed and her heart was open towards me, that I can do what I do today. An open heart is one of the greatest gifts we can have. And the best way to find hearts with open doors is simply to practice love. So what if? Nobody reading the first verse of chapter 1 of Ruth would have guessed where it ended. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, those days were violent, oppressive, and adulterous days. And nobody knew it, but change was in the air. The story of Ruth ends with the birth of King David. 
But this ending is not actually the end, is it? It's part of a bigger and a better story. Because in the New Testament, a man called Jesus is called the son of David. Matthew begins his story of God's story by tracing Jesus back through the line of David. And I I love this truth. I absolutely love this truth. Jesus himself was not a pure-blood Israelite. David's great-grandmother was Ruth, a Moabite and an enemy of Israel. David's great-great-grandmother was Rahab, the prostitute and an enemy of Israel. Isn't God doing something? I added that bit because it's so good. This is the truth about the magnificent story of God's bigger and better story. When Ruth chose the open door of leave, she chose to become part of God's bigger and better story. And here's the magnificent truth, friends, for you and me. Whenever we step through an open door, our story gets mixed up with the story of Jesus. What can be better than that? Whenever you choose an open door, your story gets mixed up with the story of Jesus. It becomes part of a bigger and a far better story. And we become part of God's bigger and better story and part of his story in this world right now. That's called the kingdom of the heavens. You're not as far from heaven as you thought you were. So what if... Amen.